All right, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, whatever time it is that you Inky Savages are joining us for episode number 129 of the Penboy Roy Pentertainment Podcast. Thank you for joining us. I know we missed last week, and as a result, you were probably very disappointed, but it was a busy week, so we figured, you know what, it's the holiday, so we might as well take a week off. So if anybody was oh, greatly disappointed, yeah, come on, I apologize. So yes, I apologize we got a lot too. of catching up to do. It, I I like the video that you threw up with the with the taking the blame for it. I I like it because it means yeah. you're, you're you know, you'll go as counter me to be taking the fall for anything that you do that regards yeah. the podcast at least negatively. Right. So as long as it's yeah, and if I ever need help hiding a body, I know who to call. But <laughs> before we get started with this week's episode of the Entertainment Podcast, I just have to go over our sponsorships. I know it's been slow for me in terms of the social media and posting and all that stuff, but I guarantee you after August 16th, after August 16th, everything will be up and running again in full swing. And until then, I do appreciate your continued support by checking out the link in the description to my Goldspot affiliate link, as this podcast is sponsored by Goldspot Pens. So check out all your favorite pen requirements and needs over at Goldspot using the Goldspot affiliate link, which you guys are here and there doing, so I do really appreciate that. And make sure... As Tom says, make sure you guys check out coupon code ROY at checkout. Type in the words, put type in the word ROY, the letters ROY at checkout. It doesn't work on some things. Right. So there are some exclusions that do apply, but give it a shot anyway, just in case several items in your checkout do apply. You'll actually get that discount. Who knows, right? So check it out. Also sponsoring this podcast is our friends over at Luxury Brands of America. Luxury Brands of America are distributors in the U.S. for several brands, including Waldman, Platinum, Colorverse, Nebula, which is owned by Colorverse, and several others I can't think of right now. Noodler's Inc., they also do that one, right? Who else? Joya. Joya is a new one that they're doing. Uh, D. Charles. D. Charles. Uh, What else? The leather, you know, the pen cases. Uh... Just so and many. also the wipes. I think just even yeah. uh, now, most recently, they started uh, distributing for Endless. The Endless, endless yeah, uh, they're starting to. Yeah. How oh, is that? that be, we'll talk about it of... after the sponsorship. Yeah, yeah, yeah we'll yeah, talk about be part that. Part of this uh, this discussion too. So yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. So keep your eyes open the for the Endless fine writing. Right. That's because they're awesome. Hold on. Mm. I wanted to make sure there was nothing there. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I had a salad earlier, so. Now, I know it's a little bit late, but July 4th just passed. Happy July 4th, belated to everybody. And in recognition of July 4th, we want you if you want to show off your patriotic side for July 4th or continuing after July 4th, get the Stars and Stripes US exclusive ink from Colorverse. It's pretty cool. So It's available in two iterations, glistening and non-glistening versions. This gorgeous deep blue ink shows off a red sheen. It also has a white glistening in the glistening version of the ink. So the glistening version, so they both have red sheen, which is great. But the glistening version has like some white speckles in it, right? Is that right? Yeah, like stars. Stars. Yeah, but they're not actual star-shaped sparkles, right? Because you can't send like... Star shaped material. That would jam up your feet, feet like nobody's business. 
yeah, it would just it would just make things uh, an entire mess. So we wouldn't want that. But it does have sparkles in it if you get the glistening version. And mm-hmm. if you don't get the glistening version, well, either version will have a red sheen. So it's blue and red, which is cool. So check those right, out at I your favorite retailer. You come in a glistening and non-glistening version. Is that true? Yes, yes. Place your orders. So, and finally, <laughs> our third sponsor for the Pentertainment Podcast is my good friend Neil, who owns brlcoffeeco.com. Go to brlcoffeeco.com and check out all the products that they have. Make sure to use coupon code ROY at checkout just to show that his sponsorship money is being well spent. And score yourself an extra discount on all the products. No exclusions applying on all the products on the brlcoffeeco.com website. So please check that out if you're into the bean and mugs and funny stuff. All the merch there is awesome. And also don't forget to pick up your Penboy Roy Fountain Pen Review Channel t-shirts over at inkjournal.com. The link will be in the description below. So, like I said, we're back. We took a week off. I hope you guys can forgive us. And before we get started oh, right. with this Just week's a, episode, a quick, what's up? A quick note, though. Um, do you break into when you – because I didn't watch the last one. Do, does it break into that disclaimer thingy when you usually do the podcast when we yes. do this on through here? Yeah. Like you add that? I'm doing or? The, I do. I'm doing it right now. Oh. No, I meant like we did the – oh, so you're doing it right now. I'm interrupting you. I'm sorry. I'll, yes. I'll stay quiet. Yeah, so before we get started with this okay, week's fine. episode of the podcast <laughs> – I want to give you guys a quick disclaimer. This podcast is not scripted and therefore will contain potty mouth words, both from Tom and me, mostly from me. So be forewarned, you have been warned. Now, on to the podcast. The Pet Boy Roy Entertainment Podcast. Stage Savage. I'm sorry, it's always screwed that <laughs> That's all right. Oh, gosh. It's been a while since we did a podcast. Oh, oh there's, the, there's the audience. There's, Thank you. There's the audience. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, it feels like it's been forever since we did a podcast because we took one week off. I needed the one yeah. week off to take care of business, and because of that, it feels like it's been forever. Yeah, right. I feel like I, I like that comment I just made about the whole disclaimer thing. That's like such a newbie sort of thing to do. Like, I, like I haven't been doing this for a hundred and something episodes. I know that's okay though. That's okay. Everybody will understand. So what's new in the world of fountain pens? Because I've been kind of disconnected, as you guys know, as everybody knows, because I have this major exam coming up on August 16th. But I can tell you what's new with me. Mm -hmm. Well, what is new was new, and I haven't gotten to it yet. But I'm so glad that Bryce sent me one of these bad boys because I love this pen. This is the the Waldman, the Waldman Tango Imagination. So it's all sterling silver. It has like blue colored machining in it. It's really cool. Has a number five sized Yovo nib. It's cartridge converter filled. I've been so out of touch these days just because I've been studying so much. Every waking moment I'm studying. But what do you know about this pen other than what we already know? What we already know is that it's a pretty cool looking sterling silver pen. Mm-hmm. And that it is a North American exclusive, which I don't know if that right. means a lot to people, but what does mean, I think, a lot is the fact that it's a limited edition of 200 pieces and it's mm-hmm. numbered on the cap ring or on the barrel ring that's there. I forget. I think it's the cap Hold ring. On. 
I don't think it's right where it says "Made in Germany" underneath that. You should have the. My uh, gosh, I gotta get a loop. Very very small. How did they? How do you even machine something this small? Hold on, I gotta. I gotta use my loop and look at what number I have, or I could look at the box. Let's see. Put on my spectacles to look at this. It's number sixty-six, dude. I'm getting old. I can't look at anything (laughs) anymore. Did you see my TikTok? Speaking of being disconnected about uh, things, but did you see my TikTok today? For Gold no, Spot? what's up? With the uh, it was with the Tango thing? Imagination. Oh yeah, dogs. Yeah, you can post I'm it too. Dogs Look, in the crate. this is what a this is what a pen looks like when it's posted. See, this is called being able to post it. Post it. I know that when we were talking about the Super Mega by Monteverde, you were like, "Oh yeah, it can't be posted" and stuff like that. But I'm just gonna just dispel that once more and check this out. It's posted. If I can't post this, then why is this posted? I got a separate DM from Drew Brown saying that you are totally right, Tom. It does not post. So right, I don't know. But that I'm might have a little bit I'm of credence you, for you. I'm showing you that it's posting. It is completely. I, I posted. think you you have gotten a unicorn out of that bunch of. You got the super mega mega. That's the one that no. actually can post. Carrie Bur- Carrie Bullet Journal also mentioned in a comment. I think it was Carrie Bullet Journal that she likes how it feels posted. Oh, God. So you're telling two people who are posting it, and one of the people who are posting it showing you that it's posted. You're telling me that it can't be posted. Meanwhile, I'm showing I to you, telling you it's posted. that 100% when I took out the pens and I played with mm-hmm. them, I did my little thing with the video. I'm like, these pens do not post. How many like, did you Josh, try it with? We need to photograph these pens not posted because obviously Yafa's off the rocker. They're putting pictures of these pens with the caps posted. They don't post. Let's mm-hmm. let's rectify this. And then you're like, it posts, Tom. And I'm like, no, it does not post. It doesn't post. I literally showed it to you posted. No, it does not. I don't care if you could show me your piece because you probably How many did some... you try? I tried How many did like you try? four of them. Four of them and none of them, them posted. Random. At random, picked them out, tried posting them, no work. No. I wonder I wonder if the color is makes a difference, right? So like yeah, I don't know, because mine is the black metal trim. Yours, the one I saw in your video that you allegedly say can't be posted, even though it can be, was rose gold, right? So maybe that has something to do with it. Yeah, but I know that's a big difference for people. I, I mean, I'm a poster, so if you're going to yep. tell me that a pen cap posts and it does not post, I'm going to be upset. It's probably I'm safer to, to be... say it doesn't post, right? I'm going to Hold be, on. yeah, that's what I figure, because, I mean, then if it does, bonus, but mm-hmm. you're prepared for it, just worst case scenario, it doesn't post. I'm looking at your Instagram right now that you did with the Tango Imagination. Is This is related to, Stra- I have not seen Stranger Things. Well, yeah, see, that's the thing, is that you, you probably, I mean, but you, you do know the concept that there's a character in Stranger Things name 11, and she has telekinetic powers. I, I don't know anything about Stranger Things. Okay. I haven't seen All a right. single episode. The only thing I know is the spoiler at the end of the season that just finished because I was at work and there was seven buddies of mine. We had some special training. And then of those seven buddies of mine, six of them saw it and one didn't see it. And they knew that. So deliberately what they did is they waited for him to get to work 
and then they had a conversation about the spoiler ending, which filled me in, which I don't really care because I don't watch the show. Maybe I'll watch it later. This means nothing to me. I have no Yeah, it means nothing to me. But you want to see a dude who is pissed off and just mad at all his buddies? That was the dude. The dude that just didn't get a chance to see it all, and then they spoiled it for him. That is totally not cool. Totally yeah, but you know what the thing is, though? Social media and everything like that, you can't avoid spoilers. How is you, it possible yeah, to avoid... You can, though, because you could not go on TikTok or Instagram. But, like, when you're, you are you have to go to work and you have your coworkers around you and they're talking about it and spoiling everything, you can't avoid mm-hmm. that. Are you going to, like, run into a closet, go to the bathroom and just stay in there the whole entire time? Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. You can't avoid spoilers. But you can't. It's just you not can't avoid spoilers online. It's just. It's just if you're if your f- so-called friends or coworkers decide mm-hmm. to you know gang up on you and spoil the whole thing, you know that's not cool. Yeah. Seeing yeah. as how pissed off he was, I thought it was funny, and I think everyone you know, else so did except for him. One thing I do want to talk about related to that is related to the what? Fact, so so Stranger Things takes place in the '80s, and for a okay. lot of us. 80s born children uh you know the kids of the 80s that you know brings back a lot of nostalgia because they do a lot of references to the 80s you know especially through the lens of these kids that are growing up which Mm -hmm. at this point it's 1986 and they're in high school right okay listen don't drop any spoilers because i don't want i don't want anybody listening to be as pissed off basic stuff but in but in what they do is they infuse music into it, which I think is really mm-hmm. ingenious is that is that it has a strong playlist of eighties, really good eighties songs that are in there. And one of them that was in the finale was Metallica's master of puppets. Mm, good song. And it was during a really awesome, like badass scene that mm-hmm. uh, I won't spoil, but that, but the fact that it was on there and I know that we've always, I think we share the affinity of liking both liking Metallica Mm-hmm. Do we not? I love Metallica. Okay, but we've never talked about this before, hmm. which I oh, think I is odd because we talk about other things that we like, but yet we both like Metallica. Why have we not talked about Metallica before? I don't know. Being that this you is know a what's... podcast that goes well beyond the bounds of pens and no, talks that about never movies, happens. video games, and other, but yet we don't talk about Metallica. I don't. Why you do know... we not talk about Metallica? You know, I suddenly am drawing a blank. Of the lead singer's name. You mean uh uh what's his name? Uh yeah, uh Were you about to say I, Kurt Cobain? Morris I could Kirk, see there's uh James Hetfield. James Hetfield. James Hetfield. So when the band first started, James Hetfield was a talented singer who didn't have any vo- formal vocal training. Okay. So what ended up happening was he started looking into vocal training because he was told the way he's singing, if he continues singing the way he does, he'll lose his voice and he won't be able to continue a long career. So what he did was he met up with a vocal coach and he learned the proper technique and method to singing so that way it doesn't create nodules in your vocal cords or strip your vocal cords over time. And one of the things that was really important for him were warm-up exercises and basics. And he uses the same cassette of warm-ups and exercises to warm up every single time he's about to sing. 
Mm-hmm. And so that actual formal training that he got changed his voice, changed the way he sounded. And there was a transition period where people were actually polarized by the difference between how he was before he got trained and how he was after. But obviously, after he got trained, it ended up being better for him because his voice and the timbre and the sonority and the quality of his voice hasn't changed since he started being trained methodically and academically in the methods of singing. That's why now, he at is. At what point how, was this that he got the training? I can't remember which album it was, but it was literally the difference was like this: like you could hear the old version in one album, mm-hmm. and then the very next album was a new, new version. It was the after he started getting the training, you could actually tell the difference, and people yeah. were actually like, "Hey, what's going on there?" They were wondering. They're like, "That's not, that's not Hetfield's voice. Why does he sound different?" But it actually ended up for the better because look how old he is now. He look how old they all are now. It's yeah. crazy. But what's cool is even though he's advanced in age, he hasn't lost his ability to sing, which can happen to a lot of people if they're not trained. Right. Vocal training is super important if you want to be a singer of any genre too. So, like, it doesn't just mean for rock music. Any singer needs to be trained in order for them to be able to have a long career in singing. So mm-hmm. I think that was just interesting. Two things that have been consistent with him. He's always made sure that he focused on the preservation of his voice and using proper technique. And I think he's been married to the same person forever, right? Which doesn't typically happen for people who are rock stars. In and rock and roll. Yeah, I mean, there's always some sort of drama and then they always split up and stuff like that. Hugh Jackman is the same way. He's been with the same wife forever. I admire that kind of stuff. Huge. Huge Jackman. Huge. So yeah. I would like to know, I mean, because I didn't, I, I mean, I didn't know the whole thing about James Hetfield's voice training, which I think was pretty okay. cool. You know, yeah. this kind of geeky stuff, and I appreciate that. Hmm, I want to know, what is your favorite Metallica album? Probably or where would you, album. let's say, let's say if you heard it, because a lot of people, especially like your Gen Zers that watch Stranger Things, they listen mm-hmm. to Master Puppets for the first time, and they're like, oh my god, this is amazing new music. Or like, oh, it's been around for a long, long time, my friend. Right. Where do they, if they are bit now by this metal bug, and they're like, I need to see, I need to like listen to more Metallica, where would they start? I, I would start with the Black Album. Okay. What about you? Why that? Because I love the, there's some good songs in there that, I particularly love like the Unforgiven. Okay, that's one of my favorite but songs. The thing is, the Bell Tolls. Well, that's that would be back on uh, Ride the Lightning. That was on. You're right, right. It was. Hold on. Yeah, but see, yeah, but so you know, mass, so there's a split. Okay, so you have you have the the first you have Kill 'Em All, you have Ride the Lightning, Master of Puppets. Then you have Injustice for All, which I mean, mm-hmm. you could I kind of bundle them all together because those because the, I, I think those once you hit that period after Injustice for All and you went to the Black Album, I think mm-hmm. that began kind of a different like stage of Metallica. And I mm. think that what Master of Puppets represents is that old 80s Metallica that was full of like that thrash, a very upbeat, extremely like 
you know, like just just very metal. But then right. you get to the Black Album, and there's a lot more. It, it kind of like slows down a bit, becomes more. I I don't know. You could throw in all your music terminologies in it. Well, but, I feel like um, I feel like once it got to the Black Album, the Black Album represents a different period for them, where they became more introspective and more, I guess, philosophical. Mm-hmm. There was more. I feel like there was more. St- I wouldn't say structure, but there was definitely more, I think, I want to say... Maturity, maybe? Maturity and composition to the actual music. Okay. Right? There was there was contrast in melodic structure and harmonization of the songs. Right? So, like, let's say you're not paying attention to a song. And you listen to earlier Metallica. The whole thing, if you're not paying attention, can just sound like thrash. Right? But if you listen to the Black Album, and let's just take my favorite song, The Unforgiven, there's segments, there's sections of the song where if you're not paying attention, it'll be easily recognizable that there's a difference in the progression of the song. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? And it it starts off full of energy. It starts off angry. It starts off almost... Almost kind of like, yeah, angry. And then it has that bridge moment where he's singing almost in a soft, I wouldn't say soft, but I guess a more hollow voice where he sings Mm -hmm. that whole bridge section. And I think that the variation and the contrast within the same song is more interesting. And I think it was more thought-provoking so i think that's probably why it's one of my favorite albums i got you because there is that contrast between like the heaviness and then there's kind of that very sweet somber and just you know not you know it doesn't all have to be angry there's that just right right like that change in emotion Mm -hmm. you know as it or just a varying degree of emotions that are experienced throughout the entire song yeah, and it just, I think the it makes it more interesting. And I don't know, I really, I really like, I really like it. I like them more after that. I'm not really into the thrashing heavy metal music. Mm-hmm. I feel like there needs to be structure. Not saying that the earlier stuff didn't have structure, but I feel like right. there was more maturity. I feel like it was definitely, like, like take the Beatles, for example, right? They came, they came in like, what, 1963 or 1964, and they were all the rage. They had all the, they were fantastic at the formula of pop rock. I think that's what they called it at the time, right? And it was always the same formula. They did as good as anyone possibly could using that formula. But then they started changing things up. They started getting into just different harmonizations they started experimenting with sounds that weren't really created before instruments from other cultures and stuff like that so it created a different atmosphere and environment of a song i think that was with like rubber soul i think that was the first one and after that their ability to experiment and expand their repertoire just didn't stop Mm -hmm. growing it just didn't stop until they couldn't stop being pissed off at each other because of in-house politics between 
the four members and whose girlfriend they didn't like this, that, and the other thing and whatnot. And then they ended up splitting up and then one got shot and it's not a, it's not a happy story, but not a good ending. Yeah. Not a good ending. But I mean, but, Paul McCartney's still kicking it. So yeah. Yeah. Considering how much drugs they did when they were young, it's amazing that they're living <laughs> this long, right? George Harrison died of lung cancer. I think it was John Lennon was shot by bad guy. Mark Dave Chapman, I think his name was. Yes, sounds about right. right. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, but the Metallica, like the Beatles, they both had this evolution throughout their career where they started off kind of finding a, a niche, a niche or a style. And then they take that style and they make it into something else that is unowned and not done by anybody else before. And right. I think I like groups like that, right? Yeah. Like, like the Bee Gees and the Monkees, not that they're bad groups at all. They kind of stayed the same their entire career. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? But yeah. Metallica and the Beatles, I think they are exceptional because they've evolved into something that didn't exist before. And I think it's really impressive. I think Nirvana is also something else too because they kind of created a genre themselves right right what is it grunge before that that yeah. didn't exist but another sad story another guy who got shot and died but he did it to himself yeah. though kurt cobain i mean but i think it's fantastic when people are able to start something and evolve it into something that hasn't existed before and then create a new culture out of it, which is what I think the Beatles certainly did. Every every rock group around today in the year 2022 is in some way, shape, or form, whether they know it or not, influenced by the Beatles. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, they were just, you know, do you like the Beatles? I do, yeah. Yeah, that's I grew another, up listening. That's another one that I like. To, grew up listening to the Beatles and Abbey Road is one of my favorites. I think the most significant one, I think, like I was saying, was was it Rubber Soul that just, after a, like a couple of albums, they just decided to throw caution to the wind. And you start seeing that. I believe it was it was I'm Rubber Soul. That my, or, uh, I'm taking a look at my uh, playlist for Spotify so I could find which, uh, which songs I have here. Because I have, a, I have mm. specifically a Beatles-only playlist that has like, mm -hmm. some of my favorites on there. Yeah. And... I think it was either Rubber Soul or Revolver that was the first one where they just decided to start changing up the changing up the formula of standard pop rock at the time. I can't yeah, remember. Yeah, I think I have I have mostly Rubber Soul is on here mm. pretty heavy. Mm-hmm. Like In My Life, Nowhere Man, Norwegian Wood, I'm Looking Through mm. You, Michelle. I I like the you know, it's it it's a lot of good stuff that's on there. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, it's it's a, it's just very it's just really interesting to me that you know we we both had those affinities in t in terms of music, but yet we've never had a discussion about it before here. So yeah, no, I just never thought to talk about it because I feel like I didn't know that I didn't know that you had an affinity for music because you have no ability at all to carry a tune. Oh, so. thanks! Wow! <laughs> wow! Okay, so I, I mean, figured just because I. You don't have to perform music to enjoy music. I know. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I just figured, like, since since 
I don't know why we never talked about it. I'm trying to think of another way to make fun of you, but I can't. So, but I would I would do is if somebody was out there and they were listening to that Master of Puppets and they were like, oh, this. Is, by the way, there's actually a new Diamine Inc. I don't know if you're aware of this, but one of the German dealers, I think, uh, I forget the name of it, but there there's the same one that has uh, another ink uh, communication breakdown and November Rain. They just recently introduced Master of Puppets and Hell's Bells. Can they so do that so without paying? Metallica? I, I don't know. I, I I mean, I know that they were pretty, like that they were pretty hard up on the whole like Napster thing when that happened. Metallica was so, mm -hmm. you know, about stealing their stuff. So I mean, but the thing is, they're they're I guess they're in Germany. This this retailer. Uh, I mean, I know Diamonds in the UK. They're making this stuff. I don't I don't know if it like falls outside of copyright law if it's international. I, I don't know. So. I'm curious it's, about it's, that. It seems rather problematic, especially. Uh, well, the thing is, like, it's just they just released it recently, and then on top of that, if you go scroll, if you go looking on TikTok, Master Puppets is getting really popular on TikTok as well as uh, that one song um, that that song that everybody's got. I forget the name of it right now at the moment, but uh, Running Up That Hill. Mm -hmm. uh, there's because that's also in Stranger Things. It's like the key song that's kind of throughout the entire season. So that's being they're pretty popular right now at the moment. And then you have an ink that's named Master of Puppets, which is, you know, inspired, let's say, by that. And inspired. I, I mean, the name is exactly the same. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. But like, I, I think that it's. I, I think it's just named. Somewhat... It's just straight up named after the album yeah and i think the color actually somewhat by... mimics the color of the cover too like if you look at the the color of the i think the color is like a brown that has like red sheen or something and mm -hmm. the color of the cover is kind of like that you know that sort of colorway. i wonder if they'll get away but... with that i wonder if they'll get away with that or if if metallica does find out what they would do would they just be like oh it's just an ink company and a niche market it's a niche market within a niche market so who cares right, right? Like, if there was a video game called Master of Puppets and, like, the main character is running around smashing zombies with guitars, I could see an issue with that, right? Because of how large and mainstream video games are, how accessible they are. But how right. how much do you think that the Metallica group knows of a small ink brand? I know they're not small, but relative to the fan base of Metallica, I think the Diamine, Diamine is probably small in comparison do you think they right. would go after Diamine, or do you think they would ask for like a buck for every bottle? Do you think they've already discussed this with Metallica? If they've already discussed this with Metallica, that is an excuse for me to actually make an ink just so I can get in touch with Metallica and be like, hey, I'm making an ink <laughs> called James Hetfield. You know? <laughs> they probably have a whole legal team that just does this stuff for them. They don't bother them with this kind of crap, you know? Yeah, it probably doesn't even go up the ladder to them. But yeah. that's what I'm saying, though. What if the legal team found out? What do you think that they would do? Do you think they would try to put a kibosh on it? Because I, just I can the understand. Of, like... I mean, I can understand why somebody would want to put a kibosh on a product that is labeled something that someone else created because it could possibly misrepresent the original creation, right? So, right. I mean, I can't see how an ink would misrepresent Metallica to Metallica fans, right? So how would how would the color, the brown colored ink or whatever 
color that Master of Puppets ink is, how would that misrepresent or harm or take away profits, if any, from Metallica, right? So like, you're not right. looking at profit profit margins for Metallica at 10 million, then Dimine released ink, and then it's like suddenly 5 million, and then Dimine selling 5 million worth of ink. You can't, there's no way to measure that or gauge that. So even if they did find out, would they really care, I wonder? What do you think? I don't know. That's a, that, that's a good question, because I... I yeah I don't know how you would feel about that. I I would probably say. I, I mean like uh, uh, like at this uh, uh, as you were saying at the same time, it's like it's like how much of a, you know ruckus could they cause over it because it's not like they're taking their, song and like putting it into something or they're taking the logo or they're t it's just they're using the name of a song and they're putting it on an ink. I I don't know if that's gonna be enough for somebody to get really upset about that if anything maybe just say hey you know we should be getting a cut in on this sort of thing i see but that's a thing though let's say diamine gave them the most the most generous possible cut of their cut to metallica do you think metallica would even notice it's kind of like this you're <laughs> imagine you have 100 million dollars and someone gave you a buck would you really care right yeah so i think that's the situation and also, if we're asking that question, let's talk about let's talk about Paniter also, right? By the way, this pen, love it. The Paniter Roco. Oh, I love this thing. I've been using this exclusively for the last two two weeks because this is so much fun. Look. <laughs> yeah, uh, that, that magnetic closure when you oh, pop yeah. the cap on and it just does the twisty thing at the same time. Yeah. I don't That's know fun. if anybody everybody knows. I was talking to my friend Jimmy and I was explaining this to him. So each side has a magnet, right? There's a right. circular magnet on the tip of the section, and there's a circular magnet inside the cap over here, okay? Now, right. the way it's designed is, let's call them donuts, right? One half of each donut is positive and negative. So when they don't line up, they push each other away. You know how when you take two magnets, the wrong ends, they push each other away? Yep. But if you just let go, then the positives attract each other and snap itself closed. And this becomes such a cool fidget spinner that can really piss <laughs> off other people in a library. I know this is a fact because I did it while I'm reading. <laughs> this helps me concentrate, but it fucks the shit out of everybody else trying to concentrate. That's for sure. Does it but do anything I love this to time. the ink that's in the nib? Does it like pull? Because it, does it have that sort of secure connection on the nib where if you keep pulling the cap off like that or m m rotating the cap, does it mess with the ink inside at all? No. What do you mean? Like, how would it mess with the ink? Like, I know like some, suction -wise? some pens sometimes, if you have like a, if you have a slip cap type pen and you're pulling the cap off, you know, if you're doing it repeatedly, it may start to like try to pull ink out of the nib. Or cause a suction and, and pull out ink. No, I haven't seen that yeah. happen. And also realize when you turn no. the pen to uncap it, which is how you're supposed to do it. When you turn the pen to uncap it, it it's a gentle, soft push away. It does it, it mm -hmm. you'll feel it. It's really cool. And what I really love about this Paniter La Grande Bellezza, Rocco, especially this red one, it's just such a deep, vibrant red made of Italian mm -hmm. gray. It's a piston filler. It's really cool. You can disassemble the whole thing. It's not really necessary though, but if you wanted to, you could. And I think it's such an awesome pen. I love this section. Section is very comfortable. 
I haven't had any problems with the nib. And it's a piston filler. And it's 275 bucks. Do you a remember steel the nib, first? right? Yeah, it's a steel nib. But I remember the first Paniter that came out was the Lagranda Belitza Dolomite Green. That was the first review I yeah. did on the fountain pen. And that one was like 650 bucks, maybe a little under 638 maybe. It had a gold maybe. nib on it. It had a, it it had a, a gold converter, nib. I think. And it was a cartridge converter. And then the middle parts kind of wore away and discolored over time. But I'm still keeping that pen. I, I really enjoy that pen. I don't use it as often, but this is my... I really enjoy this pen here. For 278 bucks, I think it's totally... For what it is, I think it's totally awesome considering it's a Dante des, des, designation. It's a Dante design. I can't talk today because I'm reading too many words these days. But it's just really awesome. It definitely deserves my my praise. I really love it. I don't post it, even though it does post. Listen to the snap when it posts. I'm going to do it again. Oh, it snaps on there too? Yeah, it's magnetic, magnetic on the back nice. too. Nice. It posts real nice. It's just a nice pen. Now, here's another thing that's different about the regular Lagrande Belitza series. If you take a look at the clip, right? I'm showing it to the camera for anybody listening and not watching. It's got the skeletal clip that Dante designed. Usually it has that quill. This one does not, so it looks really cool. I'm almost tempted to somehow get the other colors. I don't see the sense in getting the black one because it doesn't... It just looks, I don't know how to explain it. It doesn't look as vibrant. It kind of looks dull, but this right. red one is super vibrant. If I want to get another one, it's probably going to be the orange one. But this red is so vibrant. and has that rock-like look to it. It's not a cracked look. It's just like a, a rocky look. Does that make any sense? Yeah, but it does. It's such a gorgeous pen. I love it. It's the one I've been going to. It's easy for quick taking notes because you just it comes right out, and then you don't have to screw it back on. It just snaps back in place. It's also a great fidget spinner. And what makes it great is that it's so annoying to everybody else. Can you imagine sitting there and hearing this? Hold on, listen. See, I don't know if that would actually bother me because I would be too infatuated with how cool that is. But it's because I know how it works and it's using magnets. Right. Other people could just be like, just stop making that sound now. Right. But going back to what we were talking about when it comes to using names and stuff like that, since we're discussing how Dimine, or Dimine, however you want to pronounce it, is using Metallica's Master of Puppets name, what about the Panita brand? And I wonder how much they can get away with. They're actually, they actually have a line of the Lagrande Valetas called Back to the Future. They have another one called the Avatar. They have another one called the Psycho, right? All these Dante-named right. after movies. Full, full Metal Jacket, too. Yeah, Full Metal Jacket, named after Stanley Kubrick's Full Metal Jacket. Like, so what kind of backlash could they see, if any, and have they that you know of? I have – I got nothing for you on that. As yeah, far as I haven't I heard anything. They just keep continuing naming things after uh, older movies, you know? Like, yeah. Rambaletza is also uh, – is I think is also a reference to a movie too, but that was Italian. Hmm. The Great Beauty. I don't know. It's, but it's, yeah, it was is that odd a movie? that they do choose. Yeah, I think hmm. so. Interesting. I got the little Jimmy Ices is coming around. The I what? just looked out my window. They got little Jimmy's. What are you talking about? Little Jimmy Ices. It's the ice the ice truck. Italian Ices. Oh, you have a, oh, it's it's a brand of Italian Ices called Little yeah. Jimmy's. It's the ice, okay. the ice truck. It's got little Jimmy's on it. There's like a little kid's face and stuff. Yeah. As soon as you it's said little Jimmy's, I just it. thought. I thought immediately of the other guys where Will Ferrell would be like, 
<laughs> he was like, what did he say? You best be using jimmies. Remember how he's like, Gator, Gator's bitches best be using jimmies. And then what's her name? The actress, the insanely drop-dead gorgeous actress. I can't remember her name all of a sudden. I haven't you seen that movie in a while. All I remember from that yeah. is, I'm a peacock. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta let me fly, Mark Wahlberg. Yeah, let me fly, yeah. I'm a peacock. That's a great movie. I had some of uh, Mark Wahlberg's uh, sauce on a hot dog yesterday. And, oh, of really? course, you y- you have to make jokes when you're putting Marky Mark's sauce on your dog. So, you know, it's just it was just basically because it's a Wahlbergers thing. He's got the yeah. chain with his brothers with the with Wahlbergers. So it's like a it's like it's like, well, you know, you could probably take a shit in a bottle and put his face on it. People would still put it on their hot dog. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've never I haven't had any of that stuff because I don't think it conforms to. Exactly to you know. <laughs> oh, I guarantee you, no, right. nothing, nothing uh, would would yeah. I don't think any of Marky's Marky Mark's stuff is going to conform to your keto wishes. I wanted to talk to you about this pen here. This is your favorite brand that you are a fanboy of, and I'm holding up for everybody listening. I'm holding up a. This is actually a pen chalet exclusive green. Momento Zero, the spaghetti resin. It was a limited run of 250 pens. So this is like green spaghetti resin, and it has black trim, rhodium-plated trim. I wanted to ask you if you've noticed something with some of the, or if anybody listening or watching has noticed anything with some of these Memento Zeros. When you go to cap the pen and you screw it on, do you notice not it's not a smooth screwing in? or capping, do you notice that there's almost like rigidity to it and it's not smooth? And I was wondering if it's just the threads because if I thought to myself, if it's the threads, then over time, they'll smooth themselves out. But in the case of this, it's not because when I take the section off, like I just did and I screw the cap on, now it's just smooth and normal. So then I realize the section as it's going in is making contact with the inside of the cap and that's what's causing the abrasion and the, and the roughness. And it's not really? smooth. This is not the first one this has happened to me with when it comes to the Momento Zeros. It happens several times. I do find it really annoying. And I just wanted to know if anybody listening or watching has experienced that with any Momento Zeros that they had. And if they did, please write in at pentertainmentpodcast at gmail.com and let me know. So again, I'm going to demonstrate and explain at the same time since some people aren't watching. When, you, when the whole pen is assembled and uncapped, I go to cap it and I rotate it into the cap and it just feels like it's just rough. It's not smooth. It's like almost there's resistance. And then if I unscrew the section and then screw the barrel onto the cap and cap it, it's just smooth like it should be and normal. So I'm noticing, like I said, I feel like the the section could have been polished more and just like one-tenth of a millimeter less in diameter. And it wouldn't happen. So, everybody who has a Momento Zero, I'll be hundred percent transparent with you in saying that that is the first time that I've heard of such a thing when it comes to a Momento Zero having that. Or my question is to you also: Maybe okay. it has happened and you just didn't notice it or care. Do you think that's possible? Mm, I don't think so. Would you have noticed? 
I would. I mean, it's very that. subtle. It's it's. Did you it's notice on the Waldman Tango Imagination when you pull out when you unscrew the barrel from the grip section? Okay. And you pull out the converter. That it makes contact because of inside. The tolerance in there. The tolerance in there is so precise. Yeah. That you're pulling out that converter, and it makes a vacuum sort of like little pop sound. Yes. Do you have that on yours? Yes. You feel it does that happen. little slight bit of resistance from like the vacuum being created from you taking it out. Yes. So at first I thought Isn't it was. Awesome? It, it's also kind of like, kind of. I guess rubbing the inside of the barrel also, the metal part of the converter. Slightly, yeah. Slightly. And then as it makes contact, it creates that vacuum that you're talking about. Yeah. Does it do that yes. with the rollerball refills? No, I don't think so. Not with the rollerball. No. But I think for the... Because the, I, I had opened up and checked out two fountain pens, mm -hmm. and they both did that. I was like, that is... You know, like, I think to some people, like you said, it, you know, like it could... like. You know, you could have the converter be hitting the sides of the wall of the pen, but I like I, I, I'm like this is impressive that they got it this exact that it makes that kind of like that little like that little poppy sound yeah, or whatever. I you do know, know what you're very, talking about. But, these... but see, that's what I'm saying is that I notice these things, I, mm -hmm. I observe, but that was not that Memento Zero thing was not something I've observed. Mm. So maybe you should. Maybe it was just the Pen Shelly exclusive batch that is like that and none else i can't imagine that that's the case i mean if it happened to one when did uh when i can't did that be the only out? one i want to say about a year and a half two years ago maybe oh. it looks a lot like the is that's the alga seaweed or it's just it just has black trim as opposed to the it looks very similar to that it's probably the same thing just with black trim oh. and that's how okay. ronnie was able to make it an exclusive i want to talk about something else too which is really cool you know this pen here the carrot I'm holding up an <laughs> orange. Carrot. Yeah, I call it a carrot. I'm holding up an orange diplomat arrow, which I yes. adore. This capping is also another one that is just so fun just to snap it in. And mm -hmm. that little snap is just so satisfying. But not yeah. just that. You know what else is satisfying about this pen? And only someone with severe OCD would know. <laughs> or someone with a severe passion for fountain pens. I love doing this. Uh -huh. Watch this, watch this. Well, Got to get a good spin on it. So if you unscrew the barrel and then point the section and nib down, straight up and down, and then you spin the barrel, it, it'll, sometimes it just, yeah, it just spins on its own really fast and then makes a dead stop when it hits the section. It's just super well machined. And on top of that, it makes that really cool tinkling sound that you're hearing too. Is that yeah. the, the metal on metal? I love it. And that, that's yeah, that's that's a that's the same thing with Waldman. It's just when you get a solid metal pen like that, mm -hmm. it's like we kind of forget about how this stuff can be if you just have resin pens all the time. But like the metal pens just have that extra little bit, kind of like the difference between having a normal Bic lighter and a, a SD Dupont lighter, where you have that special ping when you flip open the cover it's like that ping sound like right opening it it just it's just when you have that little bit of extra something it just adds to the experience yeah i knew a, i know a guy he's he's an older guy he's in his late 60s and he had the same st dupont lighter that he's had for almost like 40 years or something like that and mm -hmm. 
He showed it to me. He also has a, a really cool automatic pocket watch that's over a hundred years old. He must, you know, he obviously bought it secondhand, but it's really well taken care of. There's like no scratches. It looks like it were brand new, but it's actually a hundred years old. This pocket watch. I'll show it to you later. I took a picture of it, but he has this ST Dupont, ST Dupont lighter, ST Dupont, and it's like forty years old, and you can tell that it's well worn. It's been in his life for that long because it's kind of worn looking, but it's still beautiful. And then when he handed it to me, just the feeling of density and weight to the ST DuPont lighter made me feel as though this lighter would certainly last another 100 years if properly maintained, if it's not being thrown around into the street and stuff like that. But he also has like a leather case that's made by ST DuPont that's also as old as the lighter. That shit lasts a good amount of time. Those fuckers at Coles of London, they're not messing around. When Jonathan Lane was talking to me about the ST DuPont stuff, and he was talking to me about lighters, one, I didn't really care because I don't smoke cigars or cigarettes, and I don't need a lighter. But if I were to have a lighter, I always thought to myself, you know, I want a Zippo, right? Because Zippo is the one everybody knows about. But then when... I saw my friend's ST DuPont that's 40 years old. It's weird. I almost wanted an ST DuPont lighter, but I almost wanted like that one, not a brand new one. You know what I mean? But then I realized there's no point in having his, even though it's really old and that's what appeals to me, is what appeals to me is that he's held onto it this long, that it's to him... I guess something that he could pass down and I mean, I don't know how do you pass down a lighter to a kid, to your, your family members. Like you're kind of like, Hey, when you start smoking, here you go. I mean, I don't think that's, you know, I think you're, you're, or when you need to light birthday candles or fireworks, right. right. Or that's pretty much it. <laughs> right. So like the thing is, I don't have a need for a lighter ever. Right. But if I did have a lighter, I would want an ST DuPont lighter. And so I have a good friend of mine, his name is George, and he's in pharmaceuticals. I, I met George, right? Oh, yeah, that's right. Same you George. were a couple – yep, that same George. So on his 49th birthday, I believe it was, or it might have been his 48th birthday. I can't remember. It was his birthday. I bought him a ST DuPont Line 2, the one with the Yurushi lacquer on it, lighter. Now, he has like a handful of his own, but he really loved this one. It had like – like a guilloche pattern on it and it was lacquered it was beautiful and when you open it bing, it would do that which was really cool too so obviously i reached out to coles of london if i'm gonna buy st dupont i'm gonna get it straight from the source you know what i mean and right. that's where i got it from but he really enjoys that lighter and you know i got him that because he's a very good friend when he, i didn't handle it that much because when I got it, when I received it from Coles of London, I thought to myself, you know what? I don't want to handle it too much because it's not mine. I want it to be George's and I want it to be brand new. So I kind of just looked at it, inspected it with two fingers and didn't want to touch it, get my fingerprints on it. I was wearing gloves also. And then I put it back in and that was it. And I didn't really get I to admire. you saying like two fingers. You're like, <laughs> So I didn't really get to admire it. Or an ST DuPont lighter, for that matter. Even at the show, when we were at the DC Pen Show, they, Coles of London had ST DuPont lighters there. 
I didn't really handle them because they're of no use to me. They're of no interest to me either, right? Nobody's going to collect lighters and then never use them. So I didn't really handle it. The first time I actually really handled an SD DuPont lighter and was able to appreciate it was my friend, the one that was telling you that's over 65 years old and he's had it for 40 years when he handed it to me and I was looking at it. It's almost like when he handed me the lighter, he handed me, I guess, a chapter of his life. And that was the significance of that lighter when, for him to have it and when he handed it to me. So I was thinking to myself, I really don't have anything that I own or possess of that much significance, right? So, really? Yeah. I mean, think about it. Other than my, my 14 karat gold Hanes flute. But the difference there is... I guess there's not much of a difference. I guess the difference there is that lighter is the one lighter that he has. It's the one lighter that he's had. And he has no intention of replacing it. It goes with him everywhere. That item becomes special to somebody. And I don't know. It just has value to that person more than anybody else. Like if I offered him 2000 bucks for that lighter, he wouldn't take it. If you offered him 5000 for that lighter, he wouldn't take it. Right? So it's irreplaceable. Because that lighter is his lighter. The, the wear on it is, is the story of his life. The wear for 40 years is essentially documentation of his life that's written in a language that no one else but him can read. And I think that's what made it so significant. For me, poetic. I'm really impressed with myself. I, dude, I tell you all the time, I got good words. <laughs> but for me... The most valuable thing that I have in my life, the most valuable object is my 14 karat gold Hanes flute. Now, let's say tomorrow it gets stolen, right? Or goes missing. Okay. It's insured. So I'll right. just, just buy another one with the insurance money. You know what I mean? And are they not, are they making them still? Yeah, sure. You can go to WilliamSHaines.com or WilliamSHainesFlutes.com. Do they have a coupon code? They don't. Good luck with that one. Oh. Yeah. So now they're a little bit more than it was when I got mine. But, you know, they're handmade in Boston, Massachusetts. The tone holes, the chimneys that the keys close on top of, the tone holes and the keys and the mechanism is all sterling silver. The tubing is all solid 14 karat rose gold but when they put those little chimneys on the body of the flute it has to be done by hand they have to solder it on cleanly and make sure that there's no okay. air escaping so just for everybody's edification when making a flute there's two types of tone holes there's what's called drawn tone holes and then there's what's called soldered tone holes so drawn tone holes basically what they do is instead of just cutting out the the tone holes that the chimneys are going to sit on on the barrel of the flute they actually draw out the the chimneys and then roll it out and you can tell because if you look at the tone holes you'll see at the top of the tone hole where the key comes down on top of it rolls over so those are rolled tone holes soldered tone holes they just cut out the hole then they take a separate piece of metal and then it gets molded and then they have to solder it on with super super precision so Drawn tone holes you'll see on your lower end instruments. You'll see on the instruments that 
I would say cost under under ten grand. Pretty much every instrument Sweet. under ten grand is gonna is gonna have drawn tone holes. And then I think everything handmade and up above ten grand is definitely gonna have soldered tone holes. So yeah. Yeah. It's 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 an expensive hobby. But the hobby doesn't Well, that's why you only have one of those. You don't have yeah. multiples. So. so the hobby doesn't include the the hobby of like flute playing is not does not incorporate collection of flutes either unless you're James Galway or somebody like that who's got probably dozens I think dozens of handmade gold flutes in his collection I think the most famous flute player that ever lived lived his name is Jean-Pierre Rampal and he passed away in 1996 his very first instrument was made by Louis Lott and it was stolen and I don't think it was ever recovered but then he wanted to buy a gold handmade flute. The whole thing was gold, including the keys, the tone holes, everything was made of gold. And at the time when he had it made, the Haynes Flute Company knew that this guy was broke. He's not going to be able to afford $2,500. At the time it was 2,500, which is, I wish I could travel back in time and then just, um, here, here's cash, give me a flute. But they knew that he wasn't gonna be able to afford it and they just, they said to them themselves, they said, we need him to have this flute because this guy is so good. He's going to put our name out there like you wouldn't believe. So they just gave it to him. And Jean-Pierre Rampal was a super modest per person. He wasn't extravagant. He doesn't have like 10 dozen flutes. He actually used that flute exclusively for many years until he was wealthy enough to get a second instrument. And that second instrument was also William S. Haynes gold flute. So he had, before he passed away, he was playing on two William S. Haynes flutes. There's actually, I think, what was it? In 2006, there was a celebration of Rampal's death or something like that. And they made okay. an exclusive William S. Haynes Rampal edition flute. It was like $36,000. It was like the whole thing, or it was, maybe it was like 42, I can't remember, but and that's why I got the sterling silver keys and tone holes because I didn't have 40 grand to spend on it. Now, is you there know? any point to, I mean, like you see with fountain pens, it's kind of like standard practice to have a multitude of them and they can mm -hmm. be in various nib sizes, filling mechanisms, colors, whatnot. Is there any point to having like a whole mess of flutes other than the whole collecting aspect of it? Is there like a practicality sort of thing? Do you see a lot of flautists having multiple flutes? I'll see some people with two, right? Like I have okay. two. One is one is completely made of sterling silver. One is made of the gold with the sterling silver keys and tone holes. I don't see people with like three I don't see normal people. Of course, you have your celebrity musicians like James Galway. He has like dozens. And I remember when he met Michael Bloomberg, the mayor of New York City, when James Galway was visiting, he gave Bloomberg one of his gold flutes. And I'm thinking to myself, this fucking guy is not even going to play it. Give me that shit, right? <laughs> I'll play it for the rest of my life. But James Galway was a big backer of a brand called Muramatsu. It's a Japanese instrument. They make fantastic instruments also. The, there wouldn't be a need to have several instruments. I know some people, they have maybe a couple of different head joints that they put in and out made of different precious metals. But 
I can't see the need because every instrument is handmade. So every instrument is going to sound slightly or feel slightly different to the player. So it's kind of like you, you just find the one that really suits your voice and you stay with that one. So I find that one try 10,000, $30,000 flutes and can know like this one's more better suited towards my particular playing style. So the way it was done when I was buying my instrument back in the day, which was a long time ago, the internet wasn't really that big of a thing. So you weren't shopping online. You would actually go. So several, several ways. Kind of like a pen show, you'd go to the New York New York flute convention or whatever flute convention in whatever state that is there, because just like there are flute conventions. Yep, it's it's at the Jack, Jacob Javits Center, Javits Center, and oh, is it at the Javits Center? I can't remember where it was, but there would be flute conventions in every state in the country, just like there's a fountain pen show in every state in the country throughout the year. You can go to the shows and you can try instruments from all the different vendors. There's independent makers, there's retailers, the same like a fountain pen show. You go there, there's a whole shitload of alcohol swaps. Like, Yeah, well, the, I, the, the, my next question was going to be, I know with, with fountain pens, like people could handle fountain pens. And I mean, this post-COVID or COVID, whatever, mm-hmm. this, this era of after this COVID issue has started that like i could just imagine what it must be like to be like oh we're going to a flute convention prepare to put your mouth where everybody's put their mouth yeah there's well even before covid if you're a vendor and you're not stacked with boxes of wipes you know you're not prepared but there would just be boxes of alcohol wipes and they would just every time someone tries it they would wipe it down and then before they give it to someone to try they would wipe it down you know what i mean so you would okay. go to shows like that. You would try many different. I don't think that's the optimal way to do it because there's a lot of noise, a lot of people playing instruments and stuff like that. So can you really hear the fine nuances of each and every instrument? You could probably feel the difference right. first before you can hear the difference because of all the noise there. The other way to do it is if there's like a local flute retailer or workshop, because every retailer will have a workshop. Every flute exclusive retailer will have a workshop. And you can make an appointment and go there. And obviously, before you go there, you're going to discuss with the vendor or the retailer what you're looking for, how much you're able to spend, what kind of instruments you're into and stuff like that. So by the time you get there, there'll be a huge like conference table with flute stands. They look like pegs stay up straight up and down and you just slide the flute on it so it stands straight up and down with dozens of okay. flutes. And then you try all of them. And... You don't just try one, put it down, try one, put it down, try one, try No, no. You try all of them for several hours. Then you try. Then you knock out the ones you certainly don't want. Then you try all of them again, and it's just a tournament bracket until you get down to the last two. That could take <laughs> days, sometimes weeks, before wow. you've come to an instrument. Because, listen, it's a commitment, especially if you're buying something gold or even like uh, – a sterling silver instrument. Sterling silver, you're looking at about twelve grand. It's like buying a car. Almost. It's yeah. Expensive. And on top of that, you have to be connected with that instrument. You have to love it. Because if you don't love it, you just spent twelve thousand dollars on an instrument. So yeah, you gotta take your time. You gotta play stuff, you gotta play stuff you're good at, you're bad at, you gotta 
play chromatic scales. You got to just everything. You got to be in touch with that instrument. And then that's how you could buy it. Now, the other way now, which is more, I think, probably more feasible for people is through the mail. So you'll request a couple of like instruments. Like a Warby Parker, they just send you like, you know, eight, three, thirty thousand dollar flutes in the mail and you just play them all. <laughs> well, I, I don't know what the limitation is, but I think like, like right now, if I were buying, if I were buying an instrument, I would request, let's say, I would request a gold Muramatsu, a gold Haynes, and a gold Powell brand, right? So, and then they would send them to me. Of course, they'd secure some sort of like deposit, deposit. or credit card number or something mm -hmm. like that, right? Because that's almost 100 grand right there in flutes. I'm not buying one, but I'm saying if I were, then that's how I would do it. They would send it to me, insured, shipping, and all that stuff. And you would try them out and then if you if you like one and you don't like another, you send them back. If you like one, then you purchase the one that you have. That seems like to be what most people do nowadays. I think, I don't know. I haven't been in the industry for that long, for a long yeah. time. But I can certainly say that if I were buying one now, I would opt to find a dealer or a retailer. I would go there and I would try the instruments in person, even if I have to spend the whole day there because... Right. I don't know. I just feel, yeah. And then also when you select a retailer, it also has a lot to do with how well they are at their workshop too, because these instruments, they have pads under the keys and those pads are made of sometimes synthetic materials. Sometimes they're made of natural materials, but they're not solid objects. They're, they're pads, right? So over time, as the keys are closing, humidity changes, temperature changes, those pads can warp and that warp in the pad will create an opening on that tone hole. And if there's a slight opening in the tone hole, maybe the note won't speak or it'll be out of tune or something like that. So you have to also consider who you're buying from when you're buying an instrument because you need to know that when an adjustment needs to be made or if there's some sort of right. maintenance that they are good at what they're doing. You know what I mean? Now, I really hope that when you invest such a, a high amount in a flute, you come back to that same retailer workshop do you like buy a service plan or, or is it just assumed that I bought the flute, you're going to be able to tune it or to do the maintenance on it for me? Or is that you have to pay every time you do something like that? It depends, right? So like, let's say I bought a new instrument from retailer A and it's a gold Hanes and I pay 45 grand for it. And then two, two months later, because it's a new instrument, the pads are new, it causes an adjust, it causes an opening in you know, the pad becomes slightly compressed and it creates an unsealment within the pad and the tone hole. I'm going to take it back and be like, hey, listen, this needs an adjustment. They're going to do it for free, right? Now, let's You're say- You're make them do it for free. No, they typically do it for free. It's just a, an adjustment. Okay. And then what would happen was they'd give me a loaner also, if that's my only instrument. Now, oh, let's wow. say a year goes by and I need, I want to do some, an over, like just, maintenance. I need to make sure all the pads are checked. I need to make sure all the rods and pins and stuff like that are resealed. I need to change the corking in the head joint. Then, then you got to pay for that, that kind of maintenance, right? So mm -hmm. there's that, but it's not like this has you, been a very highly musically inclined episode. I know, right? Another can of buble. <laughs> Oh, no, that's, that's pretty cool. Because I mean, I, I, you know, it it kind of has a similar 
vibe to pens being that it's an instrument they both mm -hmm. share that aspect sure do creative things with it mm -hmm. you know artistic things yeah and they there's could be shows. quite expensive yeah yeah there's shows for it you know so it's it's a it's a very it's a very similar sort of vibe about it mm -hmm. i'm still waiting yeah. on our good friend ryan w to send me some footage of his daughter playing the flute we have to decide if they need she needs an upgrade right yeah. So where where I say don't buy flutes, if you're serious about playing flutes, don't go to Sam Ash. I wouldn't go to Sam, no, Sam Ash, Ash because they're not, I don't want to say professionals, but they're kind of a jack of all trades of musical instruments, but they're masters at nothing when it comes to musical instruments. And what I'm saying is I'm not saying that they're not competent at what they do. I'm saying, I'm saying if they needed to strip an entire flute down and they needed to replace all the pads or do adjustments. I don't think they're as competent as if you went to, for example, I don't know, Cincinnati Flute Works or the New York Flute, I think, Center in New York City or the Jeff Weissman Music Company. Those guys are legit. All they do and their entire craft and lives is that instrument, right? And I, I say the same goes for if you're buying an oboe or a clarinet. Go to a specialist who sells clarinets specifically. Now, if you're buying... Just a... like if you want a pen, you go to a pen specialist. Right. So that's right. Yeah. Going to Sam Ash is the same as going to Staples to buy a fine fountain pen. You're going to Staples. That's You're not going to get it there. You want to get an, a fine instrument, you have to go to a specialist, just like with fountain pens. You know what I mean? And I recommend the same when it comes to every other instrument, like a clarinet or an oboe things like that you got to find a specialist you can't just yeah go to I, I was recently at staples i only saw one fountain pen it was a waterman allure really and they have waterman yeah, it was there was one on the shelf yeah there was a That's brand it. at staples and i can't remember the name i think it was like started with an f franklin or something oh or... franklin covey yeah franklin covey that's actually one that is they distributed. They used to make them from Cross. Cross made them. Oh, okay. They look similar mm -hmm. to Cross too. Also, they had yeah. some Parker Jotter fountain pens. They were hitting uh, people over the, the head. I, I saw the ballpoints there, but I did not see fountain. I pens saw the there fountain pens. Jotter. They were hitting people over the head. It was like twenty nine ninety nine. I'm like, get the fuck out of here wow. with that markup retail price markup. But you know what? I did find at Staples for like a couple of bucks, and I was there. I just for shits and giggles, I got it. I got this bad boy right here. Oh, the B2P. Yeah. This nice. is the B2P is something I have to see before I buy it. I don't care if it's only a couple of bucks. I looked at it and I was like, <laughs> oh, okay, you know what? I'll I'll pick it up. It's here. It's it was like I can't remember what it was. I probably I might have overpaid for it. It had two and I think it was like, like seven a couple bucks. Of bucks. Yeah. Yeah. So I was like, all right, that's cool. It looks like the water bottle. We just spoke about this, you and I, on a, a couple episodes ago. So I picked it up. I haven't used it yet. But I picked it up because I was thinking, you know what? It looks like a water bottle. I like the concept of recycling water bottles into fountain pens. But here's what disappointed me about it. I think I told you this. The pen, as I'm showing you, it has like the ridges similar to a water bottle, right? A water bottle. Yeah. yeah. So that's that. they did that deliberately. So when I held the pen, the pen is hard as any plastic pen you could hold. Like you, it's not at all flimsy it's solid right i was right. hoping for the whole pen to be as flimsy as a water bottle like you know how i can squeeze this water <laughs> bottle and 
make it like crunch and crinkle and stuff. I was hoping that it was just yeah, going to be a water bottle. Birth, that thing's going to be like a, <laughs> you know, it's going to be like a piece of chewed up plastic. By the I end just of the thought day. it would be funny if they use the same plastic width as a water bottle in the B2P. I think that would be cool. Sure, it'll probably get crushed, bent, and then cause pen leaks. But, you know, I'm not thinking mm-hmm. practically. I'm just thinking about what it would be like if it was that way. And I thought it was funny. Like, I have a two-pack, and one's still in the pack. I had this for a couple of weeks. haven't used it yet. Why? When I have the Neider <laughs> La Grande Beleza, Rocco, or uh, the, the Rocco Red, or the Waldman Tango, Imagination, Talk Teal. Why do they call it the Tango? Because uh, you dance with it. You dance across the page with the tango. Is that the official statement from Waldman, or are you making that shit up? That's my that's my interpretation. That's mm. all. I just wonder where they come up with some of these names. But I gotta tell you... Like, the manager. Yeah. Let I me mean, speak to your manager. But why is that one called oh, the hello, manager? Pen. What pen is that? Know. This is the the Leonardo Momento Zero Grande. Mm. With the Brooks acrylic. Mm. I was writing some notes about this... Uh, awesome discussion topics we've been having yeah so yeah so listen we got to start wrapping this up but before we go hold on a second you texted me it's been laggy you're not laggy when did you text me that oh no so i was trying to get in before and i was it was taking me a while because it just was not loading the page or something so ah i see i see but i wanted to advise everybody that next week we're going to have a guest on the show and the guest is going to be one Michal Kulka from uh, he's a Polish dude who has his own pen shop and that pen shop is on Instagram they are known as hold on a second I'm going to tell you in a second hold on a second I got to find the message because I forgot the name of his 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 company Help me out here if you already know. I don't know. No, I do not. Hmm? So Michael Kulka. I do not know the name. Yeah, he is the owner of a pen company. And the pen company, believe it or not, does a whole bunch of cool shit, such as Yurushi lacquer and stuff like that. Yes. So, Urushi. So actually, how I got in touch with him is, man, I can't find it. Hold on a second. I got to find the message because it's interesting. He was he actually is a listener of the podcast. Sweet. And yeah, and what had happened was what happened was where did I get that from? What happened was So what happened was he was listening to the podcast. We were talking about Rushi Lacker and I was saying some shit that he thought was was that needed more elaboration, explanation. Explanation and stuff and he is an expert in this Yurushi lacquer stuff so we were cool. yeah okay here we go his because we his, were talking about like the layers and we we're saying like platinum had like seven layers and we we're like oh well how many can pilot have to justify the increase in cost for the their namiki yeah emperors or the yukaris so yeah that'd be really cool to get a perspective of somebody who actually does the Urushi. yeah so he is on instagram at Tamenuri underscore studio. So that's T-A-M-E-N-U-R-I underscore studio, common spelling. And he's the owner of Tamenuri Pens. So what this dude does is he makes a whole bunch of 
Yerushi lacquer pens. They look really fantastic. So he was telling me like, oh, you know, I have a lot of answers if you want to know know them when it comes to Yerushi lacquer. So let me know. So I'm like, hey, let me let's get you on the show. So he was he was up for it. Just so everybody knows, it was supposed to be today today, but I fucked that up because I had such a busy last couple of weeks, which is why I had to take the week off, and I dropped the ball on that one. So we rescheduled him to next week. So next week you're gonna have him on the show, you're gonna have him on the channel. You guys can watch it or listen to it, whichever is your preferred way of consuming the Pentertainment Podcast episodes. They're available on YouTube and all your favorite podcasting apps. So he's going to be on next week from across the pond. What is that used for? Is that for when we're talking about Europe or is that just when we're talking about any body of water? I guess you could apply it to any body of water, but usually it means over the Atlantic. Well, it's definitely over the Atlantic if he's in Europe, right? Yeah. Okay. So it's okay? Yeah. All right. You're not going to lose sleep over it? It works for me. All right. Sounds good. So check out uh, Tamenuri underscore studio. Check him out on Instagram. And we're going to have him on the show next week. And thanks again. I just again gave for... him a follow. I did not realize I did not follow this this uh, this workshop here. I just gave him a follow. Yeah. So. he's It looks good. There, he has a lot of cool looking pens. So I'm not sure which one is actually him in the picture where there's three dudes standing or four, if you count the photo bomber, I'm not sure which one is him. But the photo bomber, yeah. There's you see the Dutch pen. I show. think I think it's based on the profile picture. I'm thinking the one on the right. Okay. With that uh, that that the the Japanese uh, piece of artwork on his shirt. Yeah. So he's po- he's Polish, and a big fan of Johanna Janjacek, which I am too, except for her last performance. I'm glad she retired. I think she's done. But she made her mark, and it's time to move on. It's great. A lot of respect for her. Was this MMA? I'm yeah. Not, I'm not up on it. Yeah. Uh, gotcha. Looks amazing in a dress and heels. She, I think I think she, she should be a model now instead of fight because after a certain point in time, I think the shelf life of a fighter just diminishes and stuff. So, But anyway. I think you should be a model after you're finished doing what you're doing. After you're finished with your test, you should be a yeah. model. For a magazine called At Least He Tried, right? <laughs> so anyway you should be a model for for because like i think there should be more there should be more like there should be more like a, a human interaction in the pen world like like show instead of just showing the pens on a desk there should be a model holding the pen and looking mm. incredibly sexy while doing it i think they can so do better than me be i'll be honest with you i think, I think that, they can find I, I someone think that you are perfect for this well, hey, listen, Absolutely. man. Let's start it. Let's start it. Let's get it going. Cut me a check, and I'll All model right. for Goldspot. All right. Well, we're oh. gonna start with nudes first. Okay. So just well, of course. You know. What else were you okay. expecting? I wasn't expecting to close on you. Get out of here. Drop that noise. Anyway, thanks everybody for joining us for episode number one twenty nine. Thanks again for listening or watching, whatever it is that you're doing. Love you guys. Be well. Be safe. Stay inky.